Amazon decides to flip their algorithm and almost overnight, you know, our sales started dropping. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Are you looking forward to 2020? Are you looking forward to finally having better control of your business and knowing your numbers? Hi everyone, I'm Anna Hill, CPA, e-commerce seller and founder of the popular Accounting We Will Go Facebook group. In my podcast, Amazon Accounting Podcast, I repeat the phrase, know your number so often because I believe that is the key that top sellers have that makes the difference to their success. They can see what is working and more importantly, what isn't working. They make adjustments on the fly and they get to do it every month because they have good, strong monthly financial statements. Now, I know it sounds intimidating to figure out how to get from where you are now to that place of having monthly financial statements like these top sellers have, but that's why we created the course Amazon Accounting Simplified, which will help you understand what it takes to set up, maintain, and really manage your business with QuickBooks Online. In the course, we break down step-by-step -step, all that is necessary to know your Amazon-specific business, learn how to handle cost of goods sold, inventory, operating expenses, and so much more. We even teach you how to reconcile your Amazon statements so that you know how much you've earned from Amazon. We will help you understand what it takes to systematically get accurate monthly financial statements so you can be better prepared for success in 2020, finally. Oh, we'll even help you get ready for the tax returns when it's tax time. So if this is the year you're finally ready to take action, and this is the year that you want to get control of and work on your business and not in your business, we are here to help. The course can be started at any time and will allow you to pause, understand, and implement what we have learned and what we've taught you from real-life e-commerce examples before moving on to the next stage. Each section builds on each other with easy-to-understand and even easier-to-implement solutions for your business. Access is for a lifetime, and you also have access to the free private Facebook group for all other students in the course. So if you're ready to take on that journey, then get the course. Please go to accountingwewillgo.com forward slash momentum and get the course Amazon Accounting Simplified. Thanks so much, guys. Once again, this is Anna Hill, CPA, e-commerce seller and founder of the popular Accounting We Will Go Facebook group. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 426, Mendy Lipschitz. Mendy, uh, when you hear the date, how long ago since him and I talked, it blew your mind, blew my mind, and his too. We were really shocked. And when he reached out to me, and I knew that he's not selling on Amazon anymore, and I thought to myself, huh, that'd be interesting to talk to somebody. Um, his perspective is great. He took advantage of his time selling and applied it. And now he's that much better at what he does. And in the after call, I, I, we didn't, it didn't come out in the conversation. His time selling made his life so much better. It gave him perspective. And man, wouldn't you like to have perspective 20 years ago? I would. I wish I got perspective 20 years ago or 19 years ago or 18 years ago. I might have it now, but I didn't have it then. And man, just think of how much uh, further you would be. Well, he's a good example of it. Let's get into the podcast. Very interesting. And welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. I, I'm going to take it back. I'm going to take us all the way back, way, way back to my first year of podcasting. Mendy Lipschitz, number 17, August of 2015. Welcome back, Mendy. Thank you, Stephen. Great to be on. I can't believe, I mean, we were chatting, I mean, it's four and a half years. Is that crazy? It's kind of crazy how lives change, things move on, yeah. Well, and, and this is going to be a story of life after Amazon. And so I'm going to jump to the conclusion, which is Mendy no longer sells on Amazon, but he still has an online presence. And we're going to talk about all that. But life has evolved for Mendy and his family. And that's kind of the reason you reached out to me, correct? Exactly. You know, uh, we've spoken before. You know, I always enjoy your podcast. And, you know, I feel I felt that. As I continue this journey of life, things just change, and you know you take lessons from what happened prior and apply it to your future successes as well. I think that is just so smart. I mean, um, I think it's Dan Wentworth who says this a lot. You know that this is a vending machine business. You know, you want to make your money as much as you can and jump out. 
you know, and now jump out is relative. He doesn't plan on jumping out. He's been jumping out for 20 plus years. So I don't mean it that way, but meaning that knowing that there is a life cycle more than likely in a lot of this business. And if you're creating a brand, for example, you might sell that brand. I know a lot of people that have sold their brands, or I know a lot of people who developed a brand and then the brand got consumed by competitors and they're no longer in that brand, right? Uh, you, you know a lot of those same people. So I think your approach, uh, the evolution of your business is an interesting story. Okay, so take us back. You were selling six figures on Amazon, right? You've really figured it out. You really... You were you were making some big buys at that point, correct? Yeah, you know, we started off as, you know, back in the day in retail arbitrage and we built on our business and added our online arbitrage and then at a certain point we found our niche and you know, you kind of develop, you always want to change what you're doing, etc. And we found the niche that was working well for us and then we were doing uh, about $150,000 a month in sales at our best. Well, let me ask you, how did you find your niche? I mean, because I think that's, that's interesting because you, I mean, you had an unusual niche, but how did you, how did that light bulb go on that this seems to be a, a natural for us? So my, my niche per se was actually a lingerie and it was unusual sizes lingerie. Now, something most people don't realize is most women are wearing the size bra. They go through their life not realizing that they don't need to be uncomfortable uh, my wife, luckily, had been educated about, about wearing the right size bra, um, and unfortunately for her, the closest place to purchase it was about a two-hour drive away from us. Okay, and you got to get fitted every you know year because your bra size changes constantly. Mm -hmm. And so every year she would make a drive to the Keys, two hours each way. You know, it was a full day trip, and she called me from there one day during our. Uh, during our early days in the business, and she said, you know, this bar is $150. You know, does that make sense? What's it going for on Amazon? And I pulled it up on Amazon. I said, hey, there aren't many sellers. There's no uh, Amazon fulfilled sellers, and it's $150 is what it sells for on Amazon. We should reach out to the wholesaler. Um, at that point in time, I was already doing wholesale in the clothing line. I had a number of shoe wholesale accounts. Um, as well as some other clothing. And so I reached out to them and I knew that the profit margins on clothing, you know, should be pretty decent on a $150 bra. So I reached out to that company and that was our first uh, lingerie vendor. You know, so if you think about this, right, those listening, okay, so pay attention to what he's saying. So he did RA, learned, paid his dues, figured it out, watched and found uh, particular uh, items. And I'm, I'm assuming that before that particular bra, you sold other bras, right? Uh, just as part of your RA. Is that fair? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, that was the good old days of Marshall's buying, uh, what was it, Warner, Vanity Fair. Um, yeah. Okay. So you, you had learned that. You'd learned that there's a market for it, so it's not a big deal to sell them. But then you realize that this specialty issue is, like you're saying, is that if, if people really pay attention to their body, that these things are important. And, and so, therefore, people will pay a premium because that two hours of your wife's life that she could get back now is huge, right? I mean, that's huge um, amount of time. And so the fact that you had already made the jump to wholesale or partial wholesale, getting past asking to be a wholesale vendor, right? You did trade shows because I've seen you at trade shows, shoe, shoe ones Absolutely. especially. So you've gotten past yeah. that. So, again, these are skills that he's been building. All right. So when you go back and listen to Mendy's original, you know, he was in sales. So you could tell by his voice he's very good at sales. But then he takes and applies well, it to all these different things. And you come along. And I don't want to lose this, though. I think this is really important, Mendy. You you weren't able to just jump as soon as you joined in Amazon to go have that comfortable discussion with that wholesale vendor and get that unique bra. You built all along, paid attention and learned. And then you were able to do that. I don't think you would have had success in the beginning. Is that fair? It's, it's definitely a fair thing. You know, you've got to know it. I don't call it sales. I call it relationship building. Okay. Okay. Ultimately, whether you're on the buyer end or the seller end, you're creating a relationship of trust. Okay. Mm. And if someone trusts you, you can do business. If they don't trust you, um, like a really bad experience I had trying to buy a used car today, you're not going to do bad business. Um, actually, let me jump back in time a little bit. I don't know if I previously mentioned this about one of my early jobs being with New York Life as a life sales insurance agent. 
Uh, have we ever mentioned discussed that prior? We might have. It's been four and a half years, and I'm an old man. I can't remember. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> Absolutely. So I want to share one of the most. I mean, we all have experiences in life, which was really just a life changer. And so let's jump back to when I was 18 years old. Okay, when I grew up, I was always the guy that was socially inept. You know, if there was a party, I was the guy hanging out by the wall, hoping to just disappear. And that was, I just lacked confidence. And at around age 19, I was looking for a new job. And somehow I found a job, I applied for a job as a life insurance sales agent for one of the largest New York life uh, uh, branches in New York City, right next to Grand Central Station. So I go in, they give you this aptitude test, which back then was pretty new. Nowadays, most jobs make you fill them out. And I still, to this day, don't understand what they saw that they said, okay, Mendy, go ahead, take your test, and let's get you started. So I show up for my first day, and it's classroom training like two, three weeks before you can do anything. And the first thing they do is, which we've all been there, they go around the circle, okay, everybody introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself. And as somebody who lacks the confidence that I did at the time, that's the point where you want the ground to open and you just... <laughs> get swallowed up, right? <laughs> so there I am sitting in the circle when, you know, looking, oh, shoot, five people to me, four people before me, three people. When I come to a realization, not one person in this room knows me, okay? Mm. So first of all, I can portray whoever I want, and that becomes who they think I am. And second of all, if they think I'm an asshole, these aren't my friends. I don't know anybody here. What do I care and with that thought in my mind that came up to my turn and I came off as, I'm Mr. Brash, confidence, cocky. I'm going to be the number one New York life sales agent in this office within six months. Okay. And that was one of my light bulb moments that changed who I am. Okay. And it makes me, gives me the ability to project that and be Mr. Confidence and not necessarily always want to be Mr. Asshole, but, <laughs> but you know, be Mr. Confident, build those relationships, and get where I need to be. Okay, now fast forward, I'm going to share a little a secret about my trade show experience because God knows me and you have been on the circuit long enough. We've been by some of the same trade shows. Um, you know, I used to go to a lot of trade shows in Vegas, the clothing shows, the lingerie shows, shoe shows, etc., and closeout shows. And I'm going to be honest, every single trade show I went to, the first 20 minutes or so, I was back to being Mr. 18-year-old, I'm not confident. But I would force myself to do it. And as soon as I started getting the first person who was willing to talk to me, it would just turn on and I'm like, see, you can do this, you're Mr. Confident. Um, and I would be right back on my rhythm and be able to build those relationships. Okay, because essentially, if you got a relationship, I always say, if you trust the person you're doing business with, if they trust you, you can sell them anything. Hmm. That makes sense. So you can turn that on and you turn that off. Is it now rote for you? Meaning like, like you said that, you know, in your current business, which we'll get to, but it just comes right out because it's you flip the switch. Okay. I'm on. And then flip the switch. Cause the, the risk there, Mindy, is that could suck the life out of you too, right? Trying to be, I always say that when I try to be on all the time, like when we go to these conferences and Andy uh, Slamans always says the same thing is that it, you're talking to hundreds of people. I mean, cause everybody, you know, wants to talk to you, right? So you talk to hundreds of people by the end, you're exhausted. It sucked the energy out of you. Do you experience that in any way? No, I don't think so, because to be honest, I love who I've become. I love being Mr. Confident, okay? Okay. I enjoy helping people, talking to people, those relationships. I love it. The only aspect that I really, uh, I was saying about beginning of trade shows, and it still is, I will even say today at times, if I have to, every, every now and then to keep my skills fresh, I'll do some door knocking. And the first 15, 20 minutes, even though I know the results are guaranteed, I know if I go out and do the right things, I'm going to succeed. Okay, every now and then those self-doubts creep up. And I think, uh, you know, Kobe Bryant just passed away. Mm. Um, it's a shame. Um, but I just saw a quote attributed to him or something along the lines about how he had, had his self-confidence uh, issues as well. 
So, you know, you're talking about one of the greatest basketball players out there, you know, who we know if we put Kobe Bryant on the court and tell him to take this many shots from the free throw line, X amount of percent he's going to get in. Yeah, he may miss the first one. He may miss the second one. But if I tell him to throw 1,000 shots in, he's going to get 800 shots in or whatever his percentage is, right? right? So that's the same thing in every business out there. You know, if you apply yourself and you put yourself into it, you know you're going to get the results. And that's what I tell myself every time I go out is, you know, hey, get past that. Even if there's something uncomfortable, get past that because that's where you succeed. Well, the other thing you said earlier is you knew you can help people. So you're going at it from a point, look, I want to buy your merchandise and sell it at a price where I can make money. So win-win, right? Uh, and I'm going to pay you and I'm you can trust me to pay you and that kind of thing. I think there's uh, – you know, it's funny. I just came from a trade show last week. And it's such a different conversation than it was even four or five years ago because back then Amazon was so new to all these companies. I approach it differently. I assume every single booth at these trade shows now sells on Amazon, 100%. Matter of fact, I found a toy company. Uh, I'll tell this story. Um, they, you know, we, I go up. I like the product. It's very inventive. I like the concept. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And I, I look on Amazon, and sure enough, they're selling there, and, and they don't have enough photos. And so we get talking, and I'm like, well, we sell on Amazon. And he goes, yeah, we have somebody. And I said, do you have a second person? He said, no. So needless to say, we end up being the second person because I added value to his conversation. So I assume they all have, they all sell. But I gave him something, something of value, right? That's the approach you're talking that. about. I love that. But that's what you said. Exactly. You're going to help them. I want to buy and sell their stuff, but I'm going to pay for it. So it's not like they're doing me a favor. You know, I'm going to be doing them a favor too. I mean, that's kind of the way it's supposed. Isn't that? Isn't that the way? Give before you get. Yeah. Give yeah. before you get. That's what it's about. I mean, if you look at the greatest salesman out there, and I'm going to be honest, it's part of my what I do now. It's the first thing I do, and every client that I walk into, every potential client that I walk into, my goal is first of all, and I say it to them straight out, I say, listen. First thing I want you to know is I want when I walk out of here, whether you hire me or not, I want you to have gained something that for the rest of the life you're going to have this information. And I go ahead and give them right at the beginning some information that's going to be useful for them. Okay? Because you've got to give before you get. Well, that it just makes common sense. And the fact that you're doing it continuing on. So back to where we were. You uh, – created this whole you built these building blocks it didn't and i i get this a lot because you know most people listen to my show are newer sellers you know you outgrow me and i i don't get offended by that i i understand that that makes perfect sense to me you're a newer seller you're coming along every one of these challenges we have all gone through so we've got a lot of scars from going to those trade shows right many how many times were you told uh, no nine like 99 percent of the time right uh i don't know if it was 99 percent of the time but uh, Majority there's obviously the a lot of no's. There's yeah. a lot of no's. Yeah, a lot of no's. But then when you got a yes, like you said, that builds the confidence. And then when you have success record and you could bring, go back to those clients and say, or those potential say, well, this is a client of mine. This is a client of mine. Or, you know, we buy from them. We buy from them. We buy from them. Now, all of a sudden, it's a different discussion because if they trust you, you it, it opens the door. So we've all been through this, but it took time to build this. And I think that's one of the coolest things about Mendy's story is that he got to that place of uniqueness and identifying your niche. Okay, so we got to the niche, uh, custom, so custom lingerie. So I'm just going to jump in and add something that you just reminded me about. It's actually pretty funny. Go ahead. Um, and it goes to relationship building as well. If you remember Dave Shannon, is that it? I love Dave Shannon. Yep. Nike uh, great guy. Plus. Yes. Yep. So – you did a podcast with Dave a little bit after you did with me, and I listened to it, and it was actually one of the, my favorite episodes that you did. Um, and I said, wait, I'm in the shoe industry. I wasn't really, I wasn't in all seal very much at that point. I wasn't uh, doing any laundry at that point. And I said, you know, this guy's doing seven figures. How do I not know this guy? Because he wasn't on the radar in anybody's right. books at that point. And so I reached out to Dave, and I said, hey, Dave, Let's talk. He says, sure, here's my number. We called. We spoke for an hour and a half the first time. And then he said, hey, you know, there's this trade show in New York I'm planning on going to. And me, you, and Dave ended up going to that trade show. You remember that one? Yeah, we had lunch somewhere. Yeah, we had lunch somewhere. Yep, we did. We did. So anyways, that was my first uh, shoe show. And I went in ready to get a bunch of no's, and I got a lot of no's. 
And however, going on your point, once you get some, there was one company I had never heard of at that point, okay? And, but, you know, I went to each one and tried to get an account, and it was Vionic. Are you, are you familiar with Vionic? I am. Okay. So, turns out that Vionic is like one of the top five or seven largest shoe brands out there, actually. But I didn't know that. But I went up, and I acted, you know, cocky, confident. I can help you guys, and I got an account with them. And that was one of my most valuable accounts. And then once I found out how valuable it was, et cetera, it was like writing my own ticket with both shoe companies. When I came in and I said, listen, hey, here's some of the brands I work with. I work with Bionic. I work with – it's instantly you have that relationship building. Well, it's okay, credibility. Got you got credibility. Exactly. Hmm. Love exactly. it. Exactly. So so you build this, and again, this is – you know, maybe it's like uh, like a – kind of a, like Dave Ramsey would call it, like uh, what he does is debt snowball. It's like pushing you, right? All of a sudden you start to get this momentum, right, with what you were describing. And then you take and you apply it to the lingerie industry. And as most people, and I, I assume lingerie works the same way. So that $150 bra, you're paying Keystone 75 probably for it, correct? Um, actually, I, you had better margins in bras. Okay. I'm trying to remember what it was. I think, I think, uh, I think well, you were paying about. We sell socks. Minus five. We sell socks, and they're way better than that. Yeah, so it's oh minus yeah. five. Okay, and then you got to pay yeah, shipping, sure. which would be a percentage. But there's not, not a lot, lot of, of weight. Times that was included. Oh, okay, and there's not a lot of weight. Doesn't matter. It's not. A, they don't take up yeah. a lot of space. Um, exactly. When you buy uh, bras, are they by the size, each one unique, or are they giving them to you in some kind of case pack arrangement or a predetermined case pack? So that goes back to specialty sizing. You know, if you were to go buy um, some of the companies that are pretty much small, medium, large, standard sizing, etc., they may do a case back. But overall, you're actually buying it by the single piece okay, beautiful. size. Well, that's the way you want it, ideally in that world, right? Because yep. that's when you can pick and choose the premium stuff. Okay. So you take and you apply this. And what do you do with this? You, you sell on Amazon, but you have this different idea. Talk about that. So after seeing the success on Amazon, okay, being known among all my buddies as the lingerie guy, um, <laughs> and talking, you know, my wife's friends, it, it, I got to say, it always made for great conversations when we were um, over by friends' houses. And, you know, the wives always, you know, teasing me about knowing more about lingerie than they do. Um, but, you know, the common theme I'm getting from all these people is, you know, there's nowhere for me to shop. Okay, I live in Miami, okay? Well, we lived in Cincinnati, which is much smaller than Miami. My wife had her choice of two stores in Cincinnati where she can go shopping for these brands. And we come to Miami, and the closest place is in the Keys, a two-hour drive each way. So I said, okay, there's got to be an opportunity over here. You know, let's go ahead and experience. At the time, we're flush with cash from our Amazon business. So we go ahead and dump cash into, you know, I chose a location, found a store, Great learning experience, learning retail, totally different ballgame. And the flip side is it's going to open my doors to some accounts that don't want Amazon okay. sellers. So let's pause here. So you open a brick and mortar. A brick and mortar. And now, I got the great, perfect name for it. Okay, but before we it go was, there, it's different than uh, general where you're going to fill the shelves with all this inventory. So I, I don't want people to think that he uh, had a front little space and a giant warehouse in the back full of inventory. Um, to me, and this, I don't know how many years ago we, when we were in Atlanta together and we were talking about this, the, the genius part about that, it's kind of like these mattress companies that people opened up. You really just had a showroom, correct? No, actually not. Okay, okay so my concept was also a little unique in okay. what I want. Go ahead. I wanted, again, I know from, I'm a, I'm a guy, so I did go through the process, although my wife always teased me that I need to get fitted one time so I know what it's like, but, uh, I know what it, I know from hearing my wife that you know, if you're a woman, you can be sitting in this dressing room, um, trying on all these different bras for a half hour, an hour, sweaty, tired, not in the mood of being there. So I wanted to create a luxury, nice, enjoyable experience. So you know, we built large dressing rooms. Okay, we had bottles of water in the dressing room. It was a very comfortable experience. So you had the front of the store was just really some. Um, several styles hanging up, as well as very elegantly designed. You know, I wanted it to be a classy place, an artsy type of place where people enjoyed coming to. And we kept 
just about all the sizes in stock. Now, you know, some of, if they wanted special fashion designs, that would be special order and whatnot. But most, pretty much the experience was they walked in the store. If they came with their husband, he sat up front. They were escorted back to this nice dressing room with plenty of space and armchairs and just a nice, comfortable experience. And the fitter would bring back sizes that she thought were right. And, you know, first determine the size. And once they determined the size, she'd bring um, different designs in that size so that it was more like, I guess, the personal shopping experience where you're sitting there relaxing and everything is brought to you in the changing room. Hmm. Okay. So that, so it was really a boutique uh, approach, maybe. That's the better term, correct? Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't, it's not like a general brick and mortar. It's a boutique. So the clients that are coming there are very unique and very specialized. They would, you would be able to fit them, find out what they want. And then, um, did, did you think that they were going to be repeat customers? Is that the model that you're building it on? Absolutely. Okay. So it was, it was geared towards that. That's the thinking. Okay. Correct. So one location or did you think of multiple locations? We opened one location. Okay. How long, how long did you have that location? I want to say it was about a year and a half. About a year and a half. Did you continue to sell on Amazon while you were doing that? We did. In fact, we did a unique combination. We were still selling fulfilled by Amazon, but we also had all of the store merchandise available for sale on Amazon as uh, Merchant Fulfilled Prime Badge. Okay. So you had it ready to go. You were doing, it was it Seller Fulfilled Prime. Is that what it was? Exactly. Okay. And so you were shipping out every day. Looking back, yeah. looking back, um, now it's closed and it, did it close in a bad way, or did it close because you made a decision to go a different direction? And please be honest. I'm not going to judge you. So, absolutely. You know, end of the day, there were a lot of changes that happened at the same time, both in, Am in the Amazon world that are affected our online business, and therefore that affected cash flow, which in turn affected the store as well. The store was, let's just say it, it wasn't a money loss. Um, it didn't really make much either. Okay. Okay. So it's a kind of a push. And when you get up every day and at the end of the year, um, when you have a push, you got to sit back and say, was it worth it? When you think back, you know, and I know we're on the other side of it now, do you think it was worth it? It's a great question. I'm, it was definitely worth the experience, the knowledge it gave me, the challenges that make me a bet, better at what I do. Okay. Okay. From a purely numbers standpoint, no, it didn't add up. Okay. All right. So in in the end, you know, because we, you know, you hear this, you heard this a lot back in the day. Oh, open a brick and mortar because then it gives you access to get more wholesale accounts, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And that there is some truth to that. Okay. Um, but now looking at looking at now where brands are saying they want a brand representative so they have one amazon account representing them that kind of thing that changed that whole world yeah you can get an account but you're not going to get the majority of the business because they're going to they've narrowed their focus we've lost so many wholesale accounts because they chose somebody who's better at running their business for them and i understand that i respect that um mm -hmm. if you invested a lot of money into a storefront you could be talking a lot of problems is that fair yeah, I mean, one of the big, jumping ahead over here, one of the biggest things an Amazon seller faces is high cost of goods, meaning we can be carrying, if you want to be a successful Amazon seller, if you are a successful seller, oh, and hey, even if you're not a successful seller, you may be holding on to two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000 cost of inventory. If you're going to do a million bucks, okay. you're going to end up with $300,000 worth of inventory. I, I mean, that's my experience. I agree. Yeah, I think that's a fair number. And so, end of the day, cash flow is king. Hmm. It's hard. How, and and when, you have, <laughs> when you have a brick and mortar, you have salaries, right? You have, uh, you know, rent, obviously. Your rent there is a little more expensive than a warehouse rent, I would assume. <laughs> it absolutely is. A lot more, like four, five times, uh, usually. Three times, yeah. Yeah. Um, what, other, what other costs come with that? Um, I mean, you've got the employee cost, the overhead cost. Now, the biggest cost that I would say that we had there is we had to have a lot of inventory. Now, the turnover in the store is nowhere near as high as Amazon. 
Okay, so when you're holding on to $50,000 uh, cost of inventory just so that you have the product in the store, um, that product is not moving nowhere near as fast as uh, Amazon, and that can, can create uh, issues. Okay, so our goal in our business for our Amazon inventory, and we have the other businesses, but our Amazon inventory is 60 days. That's our turnover. We want to turn over that mm -hmm. inventory in 60 days. That's our target, so we're very careful what we buy. Um, what would you say it was in the retail business? What would you guess? God, uh, and again, this is it's probably different in, you know, Macy's and Nordstrom. Yeah, um, for sure. I would say in... I, I would say in the general retail industry, it's probably considered four to six months. Four to six months. Yeah, because usually you'll see three months of payment terms, right? That was the way it used to be, 90 to 120 days. It used to be 90, and then it moved to 120 because that would be that by the time the vendor was or the store was able to sell through in 90 days, they were able to pay their bill, and the vendor would wait for 90 days to get paid. So that kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. Did, did you... Like you said, you took that same inventory and put it up on Amazon. But my bet, my guess on that specialty stuff, certain sizes or certain types sell better than others. But because you had to have a full suite of products, that's probably one of the big challenges, correct? Absolutely. I mean, you had to, you know, you did, uh, again, we're talking about items that you order single units. Okay. okay? Sometimes, you know, the better selling size that you sell, two, three um, my best selling sizes on Amazon were, uh, were maybe five a units a month from oh. Amazon. Okay. So not going to be meaningful. So, okay. The yeah. other thing I wanted to ask you but about again, that. again, it adds up really quickly when it's $100, $150. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fair, right? Your average sale is a high. But, but is it also a distraction having the retail versus Amazon? Um, I mean, to me, that would be seem to be because you had different challenges. You had you know, you're focused differently. Is it, Could you explain a little bit of that, your experience with that? Honestly, it wasn't. My focus in the store really was probably limited to maybe five hours a month. Oh. Excuse me, five hours a week, six hours a week. Okay. Um, because I had a good staff in place to handle it. Um, the elements that I was involved in was pretty much product selection, which was combined with the Amazon business regardless. Okay, meeting with vendors, etc. Um, as well as placing orders in a weekly staff meeting. So, you know, I would place orders once a week for take me several hours, and that was it. Okay, so you were able to step away. Let me ask you this, because I, I was just thinking that through a question for me. You're in Miami, and you're selling kind of a, you know, a high-end product. Were your Amazon buyers the same as your Miami buyers? So I got to say, this was one of the coolest things was that there were many times, now here's the thing, again, you're buying a unique size, okay, your fit size is going to be, you know, we all look at what was the Amazon metrics that show what percentage of people were happy with fit, okay, you're going to be way off when it comes to bras, you know, you're not going to have 90% satisfied, mm. okay, so many times, the return rate I think was about 18%, 20%, um, and again, you know, that's all built into your margins and whatnot, but end of the day, many times the c customers would purchase it on Amazon, see that it didn't fit, happen to notice on the mailing address that this was a local store, and find us and call us and say, hey, we have this item, can we return it to the store, absolutely come in, we'll show you other stuff, etc., and then you build a customer. Ah, okay. All right, so there's value there. Is that is that kind of the concept right now where, where, that Amazon pitches Kohl's, you know, like, hey, will you accept our returns? And that customer's walking in. We're bringing you customers for nothing, when Mandy, right? Now it's your job to sell them, right? You think that's part of the pitch? Is that kind of the same concept? I have no doubt because nothing beats having a customer walk through the door. Your number one thing, whether you're a brick-and-mortar store, whether you're an Amazon seller, or whether you're a, your own e-commerce store, is get eyes on you. Okay, so whether it's walking through the front door, whether it's looking at your listing on Amazon or coming to your website, you know, that's what you want to do. So if you tell me all I have to do is offer a free service for customers to return it, absolutely, I'll do that all day. Okay. All right. So anything that you can bring in a customer, then you then you got to win them over. Um, and, and did you see those conversion sales happen for you? 
Definitely. Okay. Um, anytime a cust- almost every time that a customer was returning something to our store for our Amazon things, um, we would see a we would see a sale. Out of it. And, and would fact, you see let, more let revenue up, per customer? Did, did you see more revenue per customer? Yeah, exactly. If they they were returning one bra from Amazon, they were coming into the store and buying three four bras. And so is that your advice then to brands that are store brick and mortar stores if there's somebody listening that if you're interested in getting customers like you say it's just so hard to get them and advertising being what it is offer things for sale and then in there have a return policy to come back to you Absolutely I like it I think it's smart I I just think it's really smart and like you said it would be great to I mean some of my customers, some of the stuff we sell, I don't want to know who they are. That would scare me to death. But some of them I would like to know. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, so you open this store. You do things for a year and a half. What was the decision in closing it down? Okay, so at a certain point, Amazon, got to love their algorithm changes, right? So mm. cash flow is king. Amazon decides to flip their algorithm and... Almost overnight, you know, our sales started dropping, okay? And sometimes you can figure out what that algorithm change is that caused that change, and sometimes you simply cannot. And we went from doing between $100,000 and $150,000 a month to doing like $50,000 a month, pretty much almost almost overnight. Rut-row. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you can imagine the panic. I mean, we hired... Um, Cynthia to do a full audit of our account to see if there's any issues there. Couldn't find anything. Uh, we tried all kinds of things, changing keywords, this, that. End of the day, um, <laughs> you know, when you're holding inventory that's long term and you're not turning over product, then, you know, it can start causing cash flow problems. Well, let me ask you this. Did, I mean, looking back now, because you're on the other side of it a couple of years, do you have any clue? I mean, did, did, did the market just change? Is that? that really what it is determined? So I... Or did the number of other that, other sellers... We believe the algorithm is that changed. Okay, okay? So we were going up as a seller against some major companies. Okay, there are several um, major brands out there that specialize in this. Okay. And they have their own websites. They also have... Some of them have brick and mortar stores. Um, chains, and they have significantly higher inventory than me. Okay, so in hindsight, what we believe is a, in large contributed this, to this was there used to be the benefit that if you were a fulfilled by Amazon seller, you got the buy box, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. It changed where we weren't getting the buy box where Amazon was giving preference to these big sellers that had large level of inventory mm. is what it seemed like uh, to us. Yeah, they, and or they could have been paying for that. I mean, that very well could have uh, made a commitment it that gives be. them, yeah, interesting. Okay, so, and, and this is one of those things that if you listen to my show, you hear me talk about this all the time. They never call and ask, Mendy, here's what we're getting ready to do on the algorithm. What do you think, right? Nobody ever called you to say, hey, so things are going to change outside of your control, Correct. It, it sounds so stupid to say it, but it's the truth. Things are going great, and then all of a sudden, they're not because they made a change for them because that's what they have to do. They have a responsibility to themselves, and there are always mm-hmm. repercussions. Somebody is always, you know, when you get the buy box, that means somebody else didn't get the buy box, right? So that means it's affecting them, right? And so it's just so important to understand that you've got to build a... I mean, is it a pivot point that you can pivot quickly, would you say, Mendy, or what would you say? So I will add that as well. Yes, you need to be able to pivot very quickly, Hmm. okay? Um, You need to be able to turn on a dime, and, you know, that's something we used to do a lot of. Um, But in this case, there was, to be honest, we also delayed a little bit, you know, it must be temporary. Let's try doing this. Let's try, and we tried doing a lot of fixes, and it worked. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, and, and be honest with me on this. Could the fact that you had a retail location be a distraction that didn't give you the urgency to act as fast as you could or should have, or am I just reaching? Yeah. So to be honest, I don't feel that the store was a distraction because, as I said, there was so little time in spend focusing on the store 
Uh, my focus was the Amazon business. Okay. All right. And I, and I, well, I mean, I think the way you structured it made sense. So you gave it your all because you were so not narrowly focused because you had good system, good team. They were able to handle the other side. So that's a fair, I mean, it's a fair question and a fair answer. Um, because for me, I know I'm so distracted. I'm, I'm a one person, one operation at a time focus. So I struggle when I do more than one thing. Okay. So you decide to close it down. What, what, what did you think you were going to do? I mean, you had to have some thoughts about what you were going to do. Well, the idea was, well, first of all, let's not focus. Let's get, shut the store down. See if we can flip that merchandise quickly on Amazon and see what we can do to pivot. Um, the decision to try to get out of lingerie as much of a focus was by the time we realized there were no other choices was too late in the game. Okay. Okay. And so you had a bunch of inventory that you paid a lot of money for that you probably have to liquidate at this point, right? I mean, because you're not going to get that money, like you said, the market changed. Pretty much. Okay. All right. So you do that. Would you, when you look at the skills that you learned through that whole experience, all the way from starting selling on Amazon, I mean, because you sold for four, four, three and a half, four years, you know, building a, 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 a seven-figure business. I mean, it's six figures a month. I guess we, I'm going to make sure people understand that. We're talking to, Mandy got up there in sales. And then building out this retail business, what would you say are the key takeaways that you learned, the, the, the skills that are now that sharpened on you? Maybe that's a better way to say it. Uh, that's, that's a great question, Stephen. Let me think how to phrase this best. Some of the key skills, first of all, here's one thing I emphasize. You know, I've, I'm not the kind of person that's shy to share my experiences, good or bad, with people. And some people look at me like, well, look at you. You feel that a business. And I say, actually, no. Look at some of the most successful business people. And this is something I believe beforehand, too. Look at some of the most successful, richest, wealthiest people out there. Okay. They've done things. They feel that. And they learn from their failures. Okay. And end of the day, if you don't take risks, you're not going to succeed. So end of the day, we had several years where we did very well. It's a very enjoyable life, thanks to Amazon. Um, but at a certain point, it was time to say, okay, here's, here's one of the key things. Okay, here's a key point I'm going to make is you have to recognize when to move on. Yeah. Okay, yeah. because that hurts. Don't stay on the Titanic till it sinks, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so, hey, you know what? End of the day, believe in yourself. Okay, believe in the decisions you make, and good or bad, and be ready. Be confident in yourself. Okay, so end of the day, I won't. I'm not gonna lie. It wasn't an easy decision process. That hey, this, you know, this was very enjoyable, but it comes to an end. Um, but end of the day, I'll be honest. The change in algorithm, the business ending, it was one of the greatest things that happened. Yeah, it, it, are we back to 18-year-old Mendy in the corner finally gets the courage to come forward? Is that is that why you're able to push through that now? You can just turn, again, You just it comes on. Maybe you don't even turn it on. You just realize you have abilities. You know you can get through this, and you'll figure it out. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. I mean, end of the day, I know I have skills, and I can go out and do something else, and so here's something I want to share, by the way, to me, one of the things I am happiest about for the reason it's changed. So first of all, I went ahead as a business person and I looked around. I said, well, what are people around me doing to make money? Okay, Amazon did that, been there, done that. What else are people doing? And there's several things that I know a lot of people making a lot of money doing. Okay, so I looked and I knew a lot of people who were in the public adjusting business. So... I said, okay, let's learn everything there is to know about it and let's own it. So explain and to me what, what a public adjuster is. Great question. So basically, everybody out there who owns their properties, whether it's homes, their business property, uh, condo owners, etc., should have insurance, okay? But we sit there paying money every day to the premiums, and then when you have a loss, insurance companies are in the business of making money, right? Mm, they <laughs> so have they don't really exactly nice like offices. Loss. They always have nice okay. offices. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, it's got those leather chairs with yeah, the porches for the founders. They're and always all that. nice, yeah. However, end of the day, 
what happens is is unfortunately a lot of people are significantly underpaid. Okay, the insurance company goes out there and either they're going to deny the claim or they're going to delay it, etc. Okay, so what I do is I basically protect the insured by coming out there and representing them. Now, being in this industry, I've learned the ins and outs of the industry, and I know how to get the insurance companies to pay properly. Okay, in an ideal world, it shouldn't happen. Okay, you pay the premium in full, they should pay you in full when there are damages. End of the day, um, I was very involved with the after Hurricane Michael. It was an opportune time that I got into the field. I know many people out there don't, don't even know what happened in Hurricane Michael, but it basically hit the hit the panhandle in what a year later they acknowledged was a Category 5. Okay, Stephen, I'm not kidding when I say it's devastating when you see what went on over there. Yeah, heartbreaking. Okay, houses destroyed. When I go back there today, there are still houses with trees cutting through the middle of it. Okay, it's much better than it was a year and a half ago, but it is devastating. And when I tell you the stories that I see over there, I saw a lady in her 70s who had significant damage to her house. Insurance company came out and gave her a check for $683. Oh, God. Okay? And this is, I met her about eight months after the hurricane. The only reason I met her is because a friend of hers had used me and I had been able to help out. And one day she was talking with her friend about, you know, she was pretty much, she had thrown in the towel. Because a lot of people think this is the insurance company. Um, they got more lawyers than them. you do. Yeah. Exactly. Right, right. Exactly. Well, end of the day, she, called, she had thrown in the towel, but then she called me because of her friend. I came out there and I was able to get her another $68,000. Oh, my God. From $683 to $68,000? So, exactly. Exactly. I mean, hey, I can tell you stories all day. I've well, but let me ask you a question about that. Do you get paid? Just let's be upfront. You Do you get a percentage of that? Is that how it works? That you get nothing unless you get something for them? Is that kind of the way it works? That's exactly how it works. Okay. Okay. Can you say what percentage you get? Is that allowed to be said or is that? So I don't like to say because okay. different states have different okay. rules. All right. Okay. So I don't want one person to feel like they're paying too much. The next person to feel like they got away. There is state regulation involved in most states on what those rates are well if if they went and got a lawyer generally this is general unless it's a car accident or something like that generally lawyers don't work on contingencies correct so is that a broad statement am i wrong when i say that it's a broad statement so insurance industry is the wild west in a certain aspect the rules and regulations vary from state to state Okay. okay And that's why it's so important to have somebody who knows what they're talking about, does the research, even if they're, you know, I, I operate in three states right now. Okay. Um, but I make sure to know every rule and regulation in each state and how it applies. So, for example, talk about lawyers, okay? Many times, you know, like in every industry, there's the good players and the bad players, right? Okay, so Florida is very unique when it comes to property insurance in that we have some laws, although there are certain individuals who are trying to change these laws. Let's hope they don't pass that to protect the consumer. And what that law is, is if you have to sue your insurance company to pay you for, to pay you for the damages and your insurance company recovers, even, your attorney recovers even $1 on your behalf, the insurance company has to pay the attorney's fees. Okay, there's a standard rate, whatever it is, $350 an hour, whatever. End of the day, the attorney gets paid from the insurance company instead of out of your proceeds mm. okay that being that being said there's always there's also attorneys who don't like to limit themselves to those fees and do it on a contingency basis again remember many times they know that there's a large settlement that may be a hundred thousand dollar settlement it may be a three hundred thousand dollar settlement and if they can get a nice uh, percentage of that instead sometimes it's beneficial to them um, but I will say that there are many times that I let me backtrack a minute. I hope that didn't come off the wrong way. No, 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 I get I it. Love, Go ahead. I love working with attorneys. I believe there's a very important reason for them being here, and it's a process. Every claim has to be handled differently. Well, I was going to say, okay. basically what you're saying is that there are, I mean, maybe this is the right way to say it. There are times when you need an attorney every single time, and there are times you don't. And so, therefore, exactly. right, it might make sense or it might not. Am I putting words in your mouth? I don't want to put words in your mouth there. That's exactly what I was going to say. There are times that it makes sense. Um, you know, I always say the first thing you should do if you have a loss 
give a public adjuster a call. He'll be able to sit down with you, free consultation, give you an idea of what the plan is. Many times a public adjuster will be the final person you have to hire to get your claim settled. Okay. So, All right. And, and, and are you licensed? Is that a license or you have to be tested or accredited in some way? Absolutely. I had to take some uh, college-level courses as well as get tested by the state of Florida, get bonded, uh, continuing education hours, right. etc. Okay. All right. So it's really, and, and, and this isn't, you know, again, meant to push what, what Mendy's business is, but the point is, is that you're, you're specialized, right? So since that's your world, that's all you're dealing with. It's way different than some general, you know, general practice attorney who, who handles them every so often, but he doesn't stay up on it. Yeah, that's fair. Right? You know, and accounting field, like I, I'm an accountant by trade. I never, I never, uh, I mean, I studied tax, but I never specialized in tax because that's such a specialty within the accounting firm. I think that's a good example where an accountant, just because you're an accountant doesn't mean you're a good tax accountant. You know. Exactly. Yeah. And that's every field. And it actually ties back into Amazon like getting into boss. Hey, I'm sure you remember about me that when I got into something, I wanted to know everything there was about it. So whether it was shoes, whether it was and when I would when I got into shoes, I sat down with the shoe sales guys and I said, Explain to me this, that, that, that. Teach me. I want to know everything there is because I want to be the best knowledge about shoes. And when it came to lingerie, and many people will tell you I was the most knowledgeable person they knew because I would sit there with the company reps and I'd say, explain to me, what goes into creating a bra? I mean, some companies put like 100 and some 15 pieces, I think, into uh, creating, uh, creating their bra. There's 115 different elements, okay? <laughs> While some companies, it's five different elements. So, you know, become what, and this is my career advice for anybody. No matter what field you are, be the best at it by learning everything about it. And learning everything, like you just described, you're going to a trade show. Yeah, you're going to try to get accounts, but you're sitting there having and developing relationships with the salespeople. There's power in that too. And so that's how you find out the industry secrets and all the what really happens. So, All right, so you take that same approach to insurance. When, when you think about some of the skills that you learned or find, maybe, maybe I don't know if they're learned as, as maybe as much as they were honed, in your Amazon sales, any more that you particularly could take and, and apply to your current business that you could, or you can help people understand how it, you were able to transition and take advantage of it. As I, I, you know, here, here's why I'm saying this, Mindy, because when I'm when I'm thinking about the title, I, when I listen and when I talk to people, I always think about the title of this episode. And this is where I came to so far with this: take stock of the skills you developed selling on Amazon. Because, and I'm not going to elaborate on it in the title because I'm limited, but because you never know when you're going to need them. So if you take stock and know what you're good at and then fine-tune that, you can apply that and really take advantage of it. And you're a perfect example. Fair? Absolutely. So there's no question that the tools that I had as a successful business owner, as an Amazon seller, as someone who had to go out and do his own things, figure everything out, it definitely helped me transition into this. You know, I actually started with a company. Part of my getting into this business, you know, before I went out on my own, I first went to another company so that I can learn that knowledge, mm. okay? Mm-hmm. And part of that aspect was, it's funny, the first day out, they pretty much, I got my license, never spoke, went out on an inspection pretty much, and went out in the field right after Hurricane Michael, and they said, just go start knocking, don't worry about anything, just get contract signed, then we'll figure it out from there. Uh, and what ended up happening was that's pretty much what I did, because, hey, I'm a guy, I'm a smart guy, listen, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to figure it out as I go along, and I'll make sure every person's taken care of great. And I went out there, and I started knocking my first day, I started signing clients. And then as soon as I signed the client, I called back, okay, Here's my questions to the guy I was learning from. Tell me this, this, and this. So know how to ask questions. Know how to research. It's no different from when we sat there, you know, learning what rank meant, what these drops in rank meant, what reviews mean, how do you determine. I mean, today you got all these tools, right? But remember the early days when we tried determining what shoe sizes sell best? Right. Oh, yeah. We would manually comb through those reviews to see how many reviews size 9.5 got. So again, it's the research, um, the skills you got. I think it's. Uh, I think <laughs> one 
Wait, let me ask you this, because I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I want to be careful how I say this. Do you feel like you failed in any way? Looking back, and be honest, I, I'm, I'm, well, let me say it this way. I'm guessing that there might have been a point where doubt creeps in, and you're, you're back to that 18-year-old, yeah, I'm not good enough, or whatever, like back to the Kobe quote, but you push past it. Is, am I wrong when I say it that way? That yeah, it had to creep in a smidge. Okay. Uh, so I want to take you to a, one of the most famous graphs of entrepreneurship. I'm sure you've seen this many times. It's that graph that looks like a stock graph, and it goes up and down, up, up, up a lot, down a little, up and down. And end of the day, you're much higher. And it's titled, it's like, this is great. I'm going to start my own business. Oh, shit, what did I do? Yeah, yeah. This is Every day. I think I figured it out. <laughs> Oh shit! No, I didn't figure it out. Okay, <laughs> this is this is awesome. I'm finally I got it. This is gonna be great. And I think the person who loses that questioning of there should always be a little bit of self doubt to keep you in check. Mm. Okay, so have I failed in life? Absolutely. But you know what? You can do two things when you fail. You can own your failure and use it to be more successful, or you can let it get you down. And clearly you didn't let that happen. Did, no. does it help that you had somebody standing next to you knowing and believing in you, pushing you, saying you can do it, I believe in you? Oh, absolutely. You know, my wife has, you know, from the first day, she's been behind me, given her backing. Um, and, and let me tell you, by the way, my wife is the reason for my success. First of all, the reason for my success is my wife and kids. You know, that I want to provide them with a good life, of course, okay? Um, but add to that, when I started again, so picture this. Panama City is an eight-hour drive on a good day from Miami, okay? I would literally leave my, leave my house Saturday night at 8, 9 p.m., drive through the night, start my work day at Sunday morning, work 12 hours in the field, another four hours in the office, six hours in the office, etc. And Thursday night, I would leave Panama City, drive home eight hours, get home Friday morning, be home for 36 hours a week, rinse and repeat. And of those 36 hours, I was exhausted. I slept a lot of it. So having somebody there who's providing you that support, there's no way I could have succeeded without her. So that's the give and take. Hmm. Okay, so we're the good news, okay, there's, there is a good ending to this story is Mendy has clearly found something that probably I would I would guess that you're probably meant to do you have the gift of gab you you've had the gift of gab you, you clearly have some confidence and you're approaching it the right way let me help you if I can't help you I get nothing that's kind of a perfect world right because when you do win they obviously they won and so that's kind of cool right I mean that's that's probably what everybody's goal in life is right win 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 right everybody wins. So yes there's something that this business had made me realize as well okay so i got into this hey i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna say i'm mr altruistic i got into this because i have a family i want to provide them an awesome lifestyle and i hope everyone out there has a family that they want to provide an awesome lifestyle for as well that should be your driving force but regardless of what your driving force is um after i got into this i realized something very important i absolutely love what i do okay because i'm helping people okay it brings me back to one of the best career advice I got from the CEO of Kroger. Um, back in the day when I worked by Kroger, there was a conference for upper management and I was there and he spoke to the conference and he said among the different pieces of advice it was, don't worry about money, worry about customers and the money will come. Mm. Okay, that's what I'm doing now. I am helping people out, I love it. And yeah, hey, end of the day, I'm making great money. And it actually made me realize there's another thing that I really enjoyed doing and that's, well, it's along the same lines. It's helping people, you know. But if you remember back in the day when I used to have my million-dollar seller seller conference mm -hmm. um, online, and I used to do a lot of coaching, and I used to do a lot of free coaching. Okay, I would if I was driving somewhere, it would be, hey, who wants hey, to talk on the phone? Hey, right here's now? my number. Give me a call. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure you see those posts many times. And I used to speak by some conferences, and end of the day, that it realized it made me realize my passion is for helping people. So while building this business, the other thing that I plan on getting back into is a little bit of uh, coaching and public speaking because it just, I enjoyed sharing, 
ideas with people that can help them change their lives. Again, you're taking stock, right? And I think the reflective, I, I think the ability to be reflective, right? Because you're not hopeless because you found success, right? You've taken all these skills, applied it. So you don't end up going down the drain and going down a bottle, right? Hopeless. You get to take stock. And I think that that's the lesson is going back and taking stock and then figuring out the best parts that you missed, the parts that you enjoyed the most was when that light bulb went on, when you were talking to that person and they're like, wait, what did you just say? And you're like, and they're like, oh my God, right? I know that happened. And that's, that's very, very cool. All right. Go ahead. And I'm just going to throw in there, add, you know, I know you like your golden nugget. And this is something that I was reflecting on recently. And I've, uh, you know, and it made me realize something else, by the way. I'm just reflecting is, you know, there's that old quote that people say it's about being in the right place at the right time. Mm. Okay. To me, that's an excuse. Meaning, what does that mean? It means that the successful people were in the right place and did well. No, it's more to that. I changed that quote, and the way I look at that quote is it's about knowing what to do being in, when you're in the right, right place at the right time, okay? We went through the 90s and the dot-com boom, right? But how many people made millions and how many people didn't take advantage of that? Right. Okay. I was, I'm in a group of high-level uh, sellers um, that a number of years ago came up with a great idea. I said, hey, let's all invest in doing a certain um, business and everyone and I said to myself at the time I said it's not really my comfort zone but I know I'm surrounded by successful people so I'll throw in my two thousand dollars okay let's just say I just sold that yesterday for a very nice return hmm. okay so take advantage when you come upon situations know how to take advantage of it okay be ready to go outside your comfort zone be ready to take advantage What's the phrase, uh, luck and opportunity meet, right? You know, uh, is that... You know, I love, you know that's hanging on my office wall, by the oh, way. that's funny. It's not, it's, well, that's it, right? Is so, that, how does it go? No, what the phrase is, I'm a big believer of luck. I find the... I find the hold on. Let me it's start preparation it and opportunity. No, 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 no. It's, I'm a big believer in luck. I find the harder I work, the luckier I get, yeah. <laughs> which is another, which reminds me of the other quote that's hanging right next to it, which is, I believe Eleanor Roosevelt said, don't ever let somebody tell you no who doesn't have the power to say yes. And that's, by the way, that's got me through many trade shows. So there is life after selling. Um, there is, uh, and it doesn't mean you failed. It means that that was a transition in your life. I, when you leave a job and you, for whatever reason, for your, if they, you know, the company lets you go, I saw somebody, Netflix was laying off, right? Netflix is booming, yet they're laying off. Why? Because they're making business adjustments outside of your control. If Amazon makes changes or eBay makes changes and it affects your business outside of your control, and it is what it is, and you recognize it, there is life afterwards. But again, I'm going to go back to this title of this. Take stock of the skills you develop selling online. Take stock. You learned a lot. And you just heard Mendy take and apply his and listen to his success. Dude, I love it. Um, if somebody has a follow-up question, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Reach out to me via email, Mendy at pantherpa.com. Mendy, M-E-N-D-Y at Panther, P-A-N-T-H-E-R. And I'll have this in, uh, in the show notes. Com. Well, um, they can reach out to me. I'm always, you know, hey, reach out to me by phone. I always enjoy talking to people. Um, if there's anything I can do to help, just give me a call. And if I can't talk to you right then, I'll get back to you. My cell number is 786-571-8855. He actually means that. People do call. It's like Chris Green. Chris Green's phone number is everywhere. So I was just talking to somebody the other day. I'm like, they were talking about, I'm like, you should ask Chris Green that question. He's like, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, his number's in every place. Somebody call him, <laughs> and you'll actually answer. Mindy, it is awesome. Think, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think you're going to find that, that, you know, there are many people. I, I look around, my, the, you know, the people I want to model myself after are the people who are out there to help people. And there's so many people out there you'll see that they're, you'd be surprised, you know, for anything. If you decide tomorrow that you want to become it, find out more about rocket science, guess what? I'm sure if you look up some of the most successful rocket scientists and give them a call or send them an email and say, 
hey, can you tell me a little bit more about this? I'm just curious. They'll be happy to share their knowledge. And so never be afraid to ask people for help. People want to help. They want to feel like they made a difference. And uh, it's funny. I get a lot of questions. Oh, like you're, you actually answered. Yeah, of course I'd answer. I mean, gee, somebody help me. Do you think I figured all this out by myself? No, absolutely not. Dude, it is very good catching up with you. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens next. And again, this isn't by accident. You took these skills. You built them into a great, successful business. You took those skills, and now you're building into another successful business. I love it. Um, I wish you nothing but success. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. And always a pleasure. Great guy. Great story. Um, I just love a happy ending like that. Um, but again, it's not by chance. Uh, he put his time in. You heard his story about the time away from family and learning and learning and learning. And he, when he describes going all in, he goes all in. That's his personality. Again, that just doesn't happen. Um, that's not magic. He put his head down, did the work, and that's his advice to you. What a great guy. Reach out to him if you want to uh, uh, further the conversation because I think he, uh, he always did that for people and a lot of people took advantage and got a lot from it. Um, very, very strong. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at EcommerceMomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.